0: What's the meta-modern game plan? I'm Ronan Harrington from Alter Ego and uh, for the last two years we've been really inspired by this political philosophy, meta-modernism, much of which has has come from um, a book called The Listening Society, which many of you who are tuning in would probably have read and be inspired by. It was a a developmental vision uh, for politics. Um, And after that vision comes a natural question, well, what do we do? How do we bring this into being in the world, what's the plan? Um, and that's very much what Hansi Freinacht and the people behind Fran- Hansi Freinacht have been working on uh, late into the night uh, for the last year and a half. Uh, it's thinking through what the actual plan and strategy is to bring these ideas uh, into society uh, and uh, today we're very lucky uh, to have one of the co-writers uh, behind Hansi Freinacht, Emil Einar Fries, uh, to talk about um, his uh, creative process and some of the main ideas in the book as it reaches its 11th hour. Uh, it's due, I think, uh, at Christmas, so welcome on. and uh, Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. So uh, I'm first of all, curious, where are you in the process of writing this book? Oh, we are just in the final phase. Uh, we expect
1: the, the Nordic ideology to be finished in late November. Early December, so it's going to be a Christmas present. We just need to polish everything up now.
0: Okay, so it's in an editing stage. Uh,
1: it's in a haunting up phase. <laughs> uh, we have we have the building there, and now we just need to paint it and hopefully is in as many colourful uh, colours as
0: possible. Okay, so for yeah. people who haven't uh, read uh, the book, um, Hansi the, is the pseudonym and pen name uh, f- uh, of uh, of this the series of books, The Metamodern Guide to Politics. And he's quite a colourful character, uh, quite obnoxious at times, very arrogant, but also quite profound. Uh, and obviously, th- one of the things that you talk about is this idea that the thinking has to be psychoactive. When reading it, you have to experience a shift, and one of the ways you do that is through the character of Hansi. Yes, uh, we we need to activate
1: not only people's brains, but also need to uh, activate their hearts, but all chakras in their body to and kind of like play around with their emotions and uh, you know uh, surprise them with things like knowing what they're thinking before they're thinking it themselves and kind of take them by surprise and that's what Hansy he does
0: Yeah, I think one of, the, one of the lines that I remember uh, most infamously from book one was when Hansi talked about stealing uh, the reader's ideas and fucking their wife, which obviously didn't go down very well with lots of people, but also it was quite shocking to hear from an author that, talk, that was talking about new political philosophy. Is there, that kind of stuff in book two or has exactly. Hansi become uh, a little bit more refined and uh, mature and grown up? He has become a little bit nicer. Uh, the
1: first book was written for enemies for the people who didn't believe us, the people who were, uh, susp-
0: uh, what's it called? Um, yeah. The doubters, the naysayers. The, the naysayers. doubters,
1: the naysayers, the people who were, uh, I don't have the word right now, um, but we need to shake them up and twist them around and uh Fuck their wives fuck them fuck them fuck fuck with their minds and uh, in the second one we believe the second one if you want to read the second one uh, you are on board so we don't need to to be as hansi doesn't need to be as nasty as he was in the first one
0: okay so um the one of the reasons uh, my understanding that you did this was because people don't tend to take ideas about development or personal development seriously they see they seem to think of it as a kind of um, a new age pastime, kind of a part of the self help movement. But your feeling is that uh, personal development and cultivating that at a societal level is the key to the next wave of, of progress. That's the basic thesis of uh, Measure Moderna and the series. Exactly. The word I was looking for was suspicious. People are very suspicious
1: of uh, psychological development and the S word, spirituality. Um, And uh, we needed to bypass that somehow. And uh, for that, we invented Hansi Freinacht to um, go through a journey with the reader and uh, kind of like um, bypass or short-circuit all their defense mechanisms.
0: And and in a way, creating this very bombastic, grandiose, mean uh, character was a way of subverting the kind of Persona that you associate with this type of literature, which can be quite a kind of vague, fuzzy, new agey type character, and it was was it about subverting that idea that people have? Yeah,
1: and and also because we are basically saying the same things we've been saying for years, Uh, and uh, it's it's very nice. It's a very nice guy thing. It's very soft. It's very cuddly. And that people don't associate that with politics, so they become very suspicious. And they believe we're naive and we are too soft-hearted for the real world of politics out there so we needed something to counter that so we needed this uh this macho uh alpha male nasty character to kind of uh, balance that out so that people don't you know uh, yeah we kind of need, need that because um like politics is a it, it's, it's a blood sport and uh, people don't believe you they're very suspicious of you if all they hear is that we want to save the world and ladi ladi and rainbows and butterflies and, and all these kind of things so we wanted to get away from
0: that so I've uh, had the privilege to read a draft of book 2 and it's very very different from book 1 in the sense that book 1 was the diagnosis yeah. uh, that says you know modernity is at an impasse The next wave of progress is going to be uh, Welfare state 2.0 where we cultivate psychological growth and this is actually what gives us the emotional depth and cognitive complexity to hold the complexity of the outside world. and, and then on part two, it was a, a new model of psychological development that really put a lot of meat on the bones of something that, while all of us are experiencing our own development, we, ne- we didn't really see it in terms of our complexity, our depth, our state and our code. So in a way, book one was the general thesis. Um, in what way is book two different uh, to book one? Well, actually, the, the Listening Society
1: started as the introduction chapter to book two. Uh, And it just grew and grew because we understood that oh, people, they need to get this into their map and we need to bypass all the defense mechanisms and uh, so on and so forth. 75% of the contents, of the philosophical contents is in book two. And book two is the plan of what actually, uh, what we should actually do. Um, It is the real political, like book two was more about psychological development. which Book, Book one. Yes. And we have, we have always talked about politics, and we found that if people don't understand that key ingredients, uh, they're not going to understand the new forms of politics. So we needed to spend a lot of time in order for people to digest that very important bit to the puzzle that psychological development, it's real, it matters, and it's political. And now in book two, we can finally uh, start talking about the new kind of politics for the future society.
0: Okay, I'm on board. What's the
1: plan? The plan, we have six new forms of politics. And um, the first new form of politics is called democratized democratization politics. Um the
0: and it's can you, can you go through the just just before we dive into one in particular, can you go over the six yes. at a very brief level so people can just have a sense of like why six new forms? Why six? What does what, is, what does a new form of politics even means before we drill into the particularities of any one?
1: Yes we have six new forms and they need, we need six forms to balance each other out and it's a kind of uh, a new kind of Montesquieu like modern society is based, based on uh, Montesquieu's division of power this is the French guy yeah it's the French guy dead French guy it's also dead French guy and uh, it's like the division of the executive power you know and uh, you know the courts and uh, uh, yeah civil society and these kind of things you
0: know they need to balance each other out Okay. Um, so so my understanding is that I, you know the the enlightenment era had a series of thinkers that provided the philosophical or intellectual foundations for what functioning modern societies would be in this case the division of powers after a monarchy and what you're saying is that you are developing the equivalent forms of politics that are needed to be able to move into this next era of post-industrial yeah. globalization.
1: It's it's a, it's a new Montesquieu. And any modern society has a division, any functional uh, liberal democracy. There's a division between uh, you know, uh, yeah, the parliament where they make up the laws you know, and the courts and the executive parties, the, the minist- uh, ministers. And um, in we have six forms um, and they all have this developmental aspect into that we need to develop society. And the first one, I can take them in, uh, in order. And the first, time first one is democratization. Uh, how how do we make society more democratic like how do we develop democracy the next form is we call it gemeinschaft which uh, is' um, for English in English there's not a similar word so we have stolen the the German word and it's also used in sociology but you could kind of call it like a, a politics of, uh, of a communal uh, of um, uh, what do we call it um, uh, fellowship uh, we, we came up like the, the best word to describe is it's is, is a fellowship politics like how what what makes a society why are we together in the first place at all um, and the third uh, the third ty- new type of politics is existential politics um, which is related to like personal development and the existential aspects of life and society uh, which are at the core of you know our existence—it's uh, v- very important and a neglect- neglected theme. And the fourth one is uh, emancipation politics, um, in order for p- people to feel free. And that's also a deal. Like it's not just a question of either we live in a free society or not. You know, there are several levels. We can become freer than we are today, and uh, there are all kinds of oppression that needs to be uh, uh, be, be made less and uh, then we have the fifth one it's called empirical politics that the politics should be evidence based uh, we just shouldn't we shouldn't make laws that pulled out of our asses and just we need to have evidence that it's actually going to work and the sixth new form of politics is empirical politics uh, th- uh, theory politics or we also call it narrative we need to have a good narrative a good theory about what works and what society is all about and these six forms of politics they balance each other we can go into further detail with that but we need all of them in order to avoid totalitarianism uh, in order to avoid them oppressing us Um, just like montesquieu uh, they need to balance each other
0: out Okay, so my understanding is that if one of these, if we were to cultivate one of these, that in itself would have a totalitizing or be totalitarian in its nature. And so with all six together, they balance each other out. Yes. So my first, now you obviously haven't had a chance to go into real depth about what any of them actually mean in content. But my first impression from hearing them is don't we kind of already have all of these types of politics at play. There's plenty of movements to democratize politics. Uh, I definitely know there's several conferences on how policy-making can become more evidence-based. Everyone uh, has a theory or a narrative. So what exactly is different about these forms of politics? Why are they new? And that is exactly the issue, because we see a lot of
1: movements out there, uh, and they have one of these. You know, Gemeinschaft politics, for example, that's what the nationalists are all about. And we have uh, existential politics, you know, we have like the Christian Democrats, uh, or today we have a lot of like New Age politics, we take that bit. But they believe that's the whole picture. And if that's not balanced out, if we don't have it, they they will oppress us. You know, also the emancipation, Uh, like some people, oh, it's all about the emancipation. But we also need to think about Gemeinschaft, and the existent- and it needs to be evidence-based. For example, if we, if we only have um, existential politics, but we also need a way to make sure that it's not going to be oppressive, that people, um, uh, yeah, uh, people also need to be emancipated.
0: Okay, so give me um, a future scenario. It's 2060, uh, this is being recorded in London. We're in the United Kingdom a lot of these uh, forms of politics are mature, they've been developed and they're in operation. How, What? paint me a picture of what that looks like and how each politics gives rise to something that's needed but also balances each other out. Can you paint a future scenario or like a, even like a story or something that would help us understand this? Yes, like
1: we imagine that uh, each of these six new forms of politics would have its own ministry, the ministry of democracy, yeah? Uh, the Ministry of, uh, of Gemeinschaft or Fellowship, or the Ministry of uh, Existential Matters. And um, there will have a, a, a staff of people um, working day in, day out on making uh, society more democratic, uh, making it more uh, existential, uh, uh, sustainable, um, strengthening
0: our Gemeinschaft, our sense of, uh, of, uh, of society. And, uh, so this, so the ministry for the, the Gemeinschaft ministry, it sounds a little bit creepy and at does. first glance. But what are they doing? Are they organizing like, like festivals and sporting occasions? It sounds like they, Soviet they Russia. That. We we talk about a, a,
1: a thousand small and big solutions. And uh, with Gemeinschaft, it's we need to, For example, uh, a lot of people feel lonely. Lonely. And um, what? Okay, they they are gathering information about loneliness and relationships, and uh, you know if people are married, if they have children, how are families running, uh, g- g- going about the business, and, um, and they're trying to improve that. You know, how do we make sure that as few uh, as as few people as possible don't feel lonely, that as many as people as possible have a good, loving relationship. And friends in their lives these kind of men and for example you can make sporting events you can have marriage counseling uh, you can have um, community gatherings and all sorts of things
0: so um, and again the, the, the feeling that comes up for me is that it feels a bit creepy it's like the it if if this new era of politics is really getting into the hidden substrat of what holds us back, our feelings of loneliness, our dysfunctional relationships, or the ways in which we hold ourselves and each other back, that you're advocating a form of politics that is marshalling collective resources and institutions to intervene at that deep level. Um, That's the kind of thing that's usually the preserve of your friends and your community. Surely this is a kind of politics that could only ever be of and by the community and coming from... The individual's intrinsic desire to change the circumstances of their own life, which is kind of the heart of personal development. So, how do you, yeah, how do, how, how do you feel about that idea that it's a very kind of penetrating uh, vision of, of government?
1: Well, we call it "enter creepy politics" uh, in our books because it is creepy. Certainly, we have uh, the, the state looking into uh, our relationships uh, and these kind of things. But then we have all the the, the good people at the Ministry of Emancipation to make sure that it's not oppressive, that the Gemeinschaft, that the Fellowship is not oppressing the individual. And they're figuring all kinds of solutions to um, how people should feel free in society and make sure that uh, institutions uh, don't oppress people. And then we have at the the Ministry of Democratization to make sure that it's democratically owned, that there's that people have a say in what's going on in uh, the different uh, ministries
0: so but mm, the issue that i have with that is that in montesquieu montesquieu's uh, vision yeah. the separation of 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 powers meant that those different powers were in control of different areas that were balancing whereas in this vision all of them are under one government, uh, all of them are in ministries, which assume would be under one cabinet, which would be under one prime minister. And so, this vision of them kind of in this healthy competition of struggling against each other and mitigating each other would be lessened because ultimately you have the same group of people in charge of, of the ministries. So, how do you, how, how, there isn't really a formal separation of power in the way you have with the courts and with the parliament, where you're just not allowed to interfere. Well, uh, the, the good thing about in a democracy uh, and um, when we are talking
1: in 2016, we're not going to have a democracy, as we have today. People have, will have more influence. There will be more channels. Uh, if we take the alternative, you were talking about that there are uh, movements out there working on these particular issues. issues. And we, if you take the Danish alternative, a political party, there, they're working on democratization politics. Like, how do we make society more democratic? How do we involve uh, get more people to engage in politics and have a say, um, and in that way, it will be balanced out that we don't have a government uh, deciding everything. And also, like the, the UK kind of, uh, you 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 have this tradition with the you know the winner takes all. It's either the Tories or it's the Labour. And in other democratic societies, uh, for example, in, the, uh, in Scandinavia, we have this tradition of having several parties who have to. Um, have to collaborate so you get more perspectives and you get um, uh, so it's not just this one party deciding everything right mm. um, for example in, in you'll have one party they might they w- one person from one party will be Gemeinschaft Minister yeah? and from another party will be a democratization Minister yeah, and uh, then there'll be election and it will be switched out and in that way there will be control uh, that they don't yeah, it doesn't get depress- Get too impressive.
0: Okay, um, so what I'm imagining is a future scenario where there's a shared cultural consensus that the growth of the individual is the number one game in town. And yes. you have a government ministry, lots of civil society organizations, a media culture that is broadly supportive of that, but that's within a wider frame of that conversation being evidence-based. It's not just, you know, crystals and... Um, sage and new age items that enhance your growth but real evidence-based cognitive behavioral therapy yeah but you also uh, with that level of encouragement on changing your your life that you have movements and political kind of party power to uh, to defend the individual against that level of 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 one might say interference in their life
1: Hmm. Um. and we will have new institutions and these institutions won't be For example, the BBC, like uh, Theresa May, she doesn't uh, decide what the BBC is going to do and say, you know, that. And um, the same, there will be a lot of institutions that will be run separately. There will be like a, yeah, like we have today with uh, a lot of organizations out there that are under, like, supported by the museum. But we also have this um, collaboration with civil society, you know, and with private individuals. So a lot of people, see this like totalitarian attempt you know that we would have this colossal soviet style uh, 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 government that just in that just decides everything um but that's not what we imagine um, obviously there will and it's very important because these people like uh, they will be actually, they will be battling each other. Just like, you know, the, the, the courts and uh, the parliament and the executive power they, they don't agree about everything and that's good. And they, they actually fight against each other. But the, there's a dialectical process to that um, because the outcome um, is the result of everybody's collective intelligence. So, for example, the people in the Ministry of Emancipation, um, they will they will take measures against what people in the in the ministry of existentialism uh, or in the existential minister is doing to counter the bad effects that might occur there and it sounds like
0: Harry Potter <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like Harry Potter yeah <laughs> it's a bit yeah it's interesting Magic involved yeah well well, well maybe I'm interested mm. in in um, uh, going through the, the list again of the six new forms of politics and where you are seeing it emerge already or where you're seeing a kind of a a 1.0 version of it that could be scaled and could be made into something more developed so could you take us through the six forms and maybe like to or even together we can pick out an example of of where we're seeing this already as a kind of um, a blueprint of a future. Yeah um,
1: as, as I mentioned earlier the alternative in, in Denmark is, is, a, is, is a very good example of democratization politics but also there's that with Gemeinschaft politics like culture uh, it's, it's very important to this party, party and, and and culture, is it what creates like what makes our society coherent, mm. our gemeinschaft coherent, mm. and it, it's really interesting to see that the only parties who are interested, who've seen that bit, who who actually valued the cultural politics, that's the alternative, uh, the hippies in Denmark and the nationalists,
0: mm. but
1: because the nationalists they understand how important culture is. Gemeinschaft for a coherent co- for a coherent society what the nationalists want they want to go a step back now now we should go back and be this uh, national culture and uh, have this you know one religion and uh, everybody should be like we were 50 years ago whereas um, the alternative and the progressive forces they want to go in a more uh, multicultural direction
0: so even within these this new let's say let's stick with Gemeinschaft this idea that we would make a very concerted effort to cultivate a feeling of fellowship in society but there's a big political divide over whether that fellowship is universal and liberal and uh, multicultural versus nationalist Close borders, so you, so we're still imagining the same struggle over what type of g- Gemeinschaft uh, a country embraces with different competing interests. Yes, and that's what politics is about. Politics is a battlefield, like politics is war with
1: other means, right? And um, we cannot expect that to stop. Like we will have different opinions, and people will want different things for our society, and. Um, what we want with the democratization process is to make that process um, more transparent, uh, more intelligent, and uh, hopefully create better outcomes. Because that—that um, that is the, the secret. The, the, the secret to the success of democracy is not that we can vote on the politicians that we like, uh, or that the one po- we can choose the ones that are right. This—the the success to democracy is that everybody has a voice, right? That it's kind of like Divinion that it, it brings the competition between between political ideas right and uh, the better a democracy uh, the, the more voices uh, the be- the more competition uh, just like in, in, in w- when it comes to goods and services uh, on the market um hopefully the, the the better are the the results of of those processes and uh, in societies where many uh, wh- where ma- where citizens are involved in their society where there's a uh, open and engage dialogue, uh, they, they tend to produce be- better results than uh, the more closed societies where the democratic traditions where people are, are not as involved. So, so what we want to find, okay, how can we involve one, how can we improve the conversation, right? Uh, how can we make people their best selves in those political conversations and listen to each other and uh, Get the best ideas uh, uh, to the table,
0: and so this is this is a, this is the other aspect to the listening society. You know, you talk about this vision of a society where everyone feels seen and heard, which, on a first rendering, is about really understanding people's emotional needs and what they need to grow and to flourish. But also, it brings in this de- co-development idea in politics that actually your vision is of a political process that can um, be more generative. Uh, like when you have a very good dialogue can handle more complexity and that in itself that is a growth a growing process Yeah. Um. as opposed to the politics we have at the moment which is you know just mudsling at each other and, and basically defending fixed positions yeah. and so it sounds like within this vision there is a how do we evolve beyond all of our fixed positions so it isn't just you know a battle over the gemeinschaft of a country with the nationalists and the multiculturalists but there's a genuine attempt to enter into some kind of equilibrium that is that is producing good outcomes yeah or, or how do we make the debate or the ba- the the battle
1: more intelligent hmm. produce more intellig- intelligent results hmm. right um because like w- when you enter politics you you you, uh, you want okay i have these ideas I have these opinions and i want to put them forth uh, because i am right you know believe really that's what politics is about but uh, when you engage your opponents uh, in the political game, um, you without knowing, it, you, are, you are actually co-developing with your opponents. Uh, and uh, in many cases, um, if you have a good debate, uh, an open debate in a democratic society, you co-develop better solutions, uh, solutions that are better than any solution uh, you would have come up with yourself. Hmm. Like your opponents help you come up with better solutions. And uh, with the democratization process, okay, how can we improve that even further?
0: so that's the plan what's the, the strategy at christmas time a couple of you know budding political entrepreneurs leaders from around europe wake up on christmas morning they find this book they read it they're inspired what do they do do they form a political party does that appear on the left do they because that's where new ideas come from do they do battle with the right what's the what's the meta-modern political strategy we believe that
1: one way to do it or one of many that needs is to create a meta-modern party and the meta-modern party is not going to be the biggest party but because metamodernism is a way that can include all perspectives it's it's going to be the least hated party by everybody else right because um imagine that you you are you, were, you were, like a, meta- a very attractive proposition to yeah be the but least hated. the thing is that um, what what i have uh, what i've experienced is that uh, you know that of course socialists they think ah we are sellouts and the libertarians they think that we are um uh, that, that, that that we are communists uh, but the thing is that the libertarians they hate us a little less than they hate the socialists and the socialists they hate us a little less than the libertarians because we understand their perspective and we try to uh, include all perspectives So in that way, uh, a small metamodern movement, a small metamodern party can become very powerful because we can broker between all the different tribes out there and that can make it very powerful and we can improve the whole democratic process of reaching the, the best solutions.
0: So my understanding is that metamodernism as a stage of political thinking is about really empathizing and understanding different political ideologies that are representative of different stages of development and so in this sense you have a real empathetic understanding for anti-neoliberal socialists as you do from anti-government libertarians as you do for liberal centrists and that you insert yourself I presume into a parliamentary process you might win let's say 12 seats out of 300 uh, and that those politicians because on some level they're modeling this ability are able to work as this kind of democratic glue in in a kind of trans party glue that yeah. basically attracts people towards metamodern thinking. So rather than taking over uh, the state with a metamodern vision, it's more about planting this mimetic code in all political parties so they become more metamodern. Is that is that is that true? Is yeah, that you could there? say that because in a way, socialism, libertarianism, green—they
1: are all headed towards. Metamodernism. Uh, that's the attractor point. Uh, they just have like a one dimension. They, they focus on their thing. It's one dimension, but they're all headed toward towards what we call uh, green social liberalism, which is kind of like the um, uh, the the end of of the old ideologies. Because you you cannot like, like today. In, in, in you see that in Scandinavian Scandinavian politics today that um, that it's basically the only thing you can be you can be a green social liberal. Because th- the welfare state is there, and you know, libertarian arguments, they don't, because cons- we see that the welfare state works, but we also know that we need to balance it out with the market. And we see even the nationalists, they have to say, oh, we also we also care about the environment because yeah, we don't want to die, you know. And uh, well, we need to take care of the poor, poor as well in, in order to, so it's kind of like a new kind of political correctness, hmm. that you need to have all these perspectives. And the metamodernism, Metamodernists, they do it better than most other people because they're able to, they have the theory, they have the code, and they're able to empathise with different, uh, op- uh, uh, different uh, perspectives.
0: So just so my understanding of what you're saying is that we are already witnessing a cross-party consensus that is you you call green social liberalism, and that metamodernism is deepening that by uh, addressing the kind of the psychological dimension and that that's ultimately what helps manifest the greenest most social most liberal society um and the way that you will influence that thinking is by in a way being uh in and around all parties and and kind of seeding your ideas rather than trying to engage in a a traditional industrial political uh, dynamic of defeating the other party. You're more trying to attract all parties towards a convergent point that that will come to be known as metamodernism. Is that right? So you described politics as a blood sport and I see a tension in that this developmental vision is usually forced, taken up by uh, quite sensitive souls uh, who have gone on an inner journey and uh, realize that they're deeply emotionally vulnerable um, and the idea of calling them into the dirty world of politics into the blood sport that it is and saying that your only consolation is that you'll be the least hated political movement or party it's not a very appealing thing um, and I so I, w- I just maybe question the, um, the potential of, of e- even though this I've, I really subscribe to the thinking of this, actually inciting uh, an actual political movement or political party.
1: Yes, um, I believe we had a gridlock in politics today. And uh, it's very visible in the culture wars and speci- specifically in, in, in the US. And um, people seem utterly incapable of taking each other's perspective right Uh, and what we need are the sensitive souls who are capable of seeing both perspectives of but also having solidarity with the emotions that come with those perspectives to understand as as a as a liberal what is it that the conservatives are so afraid afraid of you know Uh, what are their fears Uh, what what are their dreams Uh, and in the same way, liberals uh, or, or conservatives uh, should also be able to see wh- why is it that our thoughts, our way of thinking and, and behaving uh, provokes the, uh, the liberals. And we need people who, are p- who have solidarity with those, with those perspectives. And if you have that, I believe you'll be capable of overcoming this gridlock and reaching a synthesis where as many people as possible are seen and heard and feel as an integral part of society.
0: So you're imagining a kind of a new breed of meta-modern activist or politician that is inserting themselves into a very toxic, conflict-ridden environment and playing the role of mediator. Um, but it's not a kind of a mediator in a neutral sense where, you know, everyone is seen and heard and they go back to their original perspectives, but somehow they're invited into an understanding of, of where um, their views can find a synthesis and a exactly. balance. Exactly. Because I believe that many of the, many of the things that uh, political
1: uh, things that people are fighting for, maybe it's actually something else right maybe it's not about guns and abortions maybe it's about feeling not not being an alienated in a progressive society right um, and uh, finding those because we are emotional beings you know it, it's 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 uh, and and politics is very emotional um, it, it it's not the rational arguments you know it, we 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 have some emotions and then we f- then we come up with some rational arguments, right? Um, So so how do we create a politics and a society where those emotional needs are met? And then maybe we don't need to fight about gun controls and abortion, these kind of things. But
0: people will always fight about gun control and abortion because they are directly harming people's lives and from the other perspective are denying people's freedoms. uh, The reverse in both of those cases. even if you had a society that was more emotionally healthy and even more uh, willing to engage in a civic discourse there are, you're going to have disagreements uh, and that's kind of baked into the story of society so I'm I'm still struggling to understand how the meta-modern perspective can yield some kind of breakthrough in, in that in those deadlocks, you know and yeah, so, uh,
1: I meant like if, if, if more people had a safe upbringing had a greater sense of safety maybe wouldn't be that important to have guns in the house, for example, right? And um, if people felt they understood society, they like, understood what if they felt respected, uh, if they felt loved, maybe being against gay marriage wouldn't be that important after all.
0: But a lot of the, the two examples you use are quite interesting because both of them are about if we could just give conservatives a nationalist more psychological safety they would become a bit more progressive like us what is the equivalent on our side how if we kind of liberal multiculturalists uh, developed more psychologically um, developed uh, had greater levels of safety what would we give up in that dynamic
1: well for example when it comes to uh, identity politics uh, uh, which is um, uh, one of the most hotly debated hotly debated topics in our times and uh, people on the barricades and uh, if people had for example uh, a greater uh, sense of safety and if they felt accepted in society and maybe they wouldn't have the same same need for this polarization and uh, they wouldn't maybe have the same need to identify with a certain certain political project or identity and these kind of things
0: okay so you you see it as um, yeah but at the same time people will uh, become activists for groups that they feel are marginalized or are being oppressed Um, and yeah they might they might be able to let's say hold that identity a bit more lightly but that they will still yeah. say that that is their primary work is to exactly do anti-oppression and, work and, and, and the
1: emancipation project is still there there's still a battle going on and uh, is it's both and but it's also uh, both both and and either or because eventually <laughs> we need to make a choice right gay people should be accepted in society it's a utterly unreasonable that uh, people should feel ashamed right we still have these projects
0: uh, is there any conservative position that you feel should uh, that progressives need to work harder to accept as being entirely valid um, because all I'm hearing are examples for liberal causes that yes yeah i'm just wondering we I- could in the it. true spirit in the true spirit of integrating what what is good and valid about conservative viewpoint uh, that progressives, because they're only seeing within their own ideology, uh, are failing to appreciate and actually is always going to be part of the equilibrium of society.
1: Yes, we could take Gemeinschaft politics, for example, that conservatives, they want to have uh, a unified society, a light culture, you know, uh, they don't want to have many cultures, but but a a great culture that we're all part of. Hmm. And uh, I believe the synthesis would be trans, not multiculturalism. So we all live in our sm- small own small bubbles, but we transcend all these minor and we create a uh, a, a more coherent uh, culture to embrace everyone in society. And we can also take ex- existential politics because um, uh, if we take Christians, you know, th- th- there are some aspects of traditional religion that have been lost in modern society. Uh, That are important. Um, uh, We we need we need some existential fuel, and you know this atheistic, um, uh, like atheism, is is not the answer. It alienates people. So I believe that if we develop that further, and of course it shouldn't mean now we should be Christians or Muslims, but develop a culture, uh, uh, an existential aspect that should be an integral part of society. That is not just a private matter. But existential issues, um, uh, existential I- issues, uh, is a, a, a societal
0: concern for all of us. It sounds to me like the, the 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 kind of the underlying shift is coming out of your righteousness about a particular way you believe people should be or society should be, and to understand that lots of other groups who are in some ways aligned to you in other ways conflicting are also doing that. And to try and understand how to improve the process by which that clash of ideas happens and makes it more productive. Yeah. Um. So rather than being a socialist, and we, you know, like it's it's my own feeling that we we need a lot of socialist policies after decades of neoliberalism, but also understanding that the that the totalitarian tendencies of socialism doing away with the market altogether just isn't realistic and also doesn't honor the people's you know need for to be able to freely exchange in markets so it's this idea of it sounds like the the core idea is getting rather than being in a conflict where both sides are trying to win out uh, and end up actually being in some kind of productive equilibrium that we can recognize we are always in an equilibrium we are always in a dialectic uh, and that actually let's become conscious of that and then try and work with that as best as we can and improve the processes by which we do that. Exactly, and that's also
1: what we write about that um, the party of the future uh, is the process party, the process-based party, that it's not about, um, for example, the alternative, they didn't write a, a party programme, you know, it's not about the different topics, it's about improving the process with which we reach political results, right, to improve that instead of, you know, fighting for That course
0: or that course you know um, and actually improve the processes right so uh, we're coming towards the end um, and you're coming towards the end of the book you're a month out can you give us a little insight into your writing process and whether you are embodying the vision of a nourishing developmental society yeah are you one of those classic writers that stays up for 24 hours on end yeah i am
1: i am and uh, right now i'm walking the earth i'm here with you i've been doing a lot of traveling and uh, hopefully i will be over socialized and uh, haven't uh, don't want to see any in any humans for for a month so i can finish the process uh, finish the book you're uh, going to go into your writing cave yeah i'm going to go into my writing cage uh, <laughs> cage <laughs> i said
0: so, i said cave yeah and uh, I said that's a
1: freudian slip <laughs> but uh, it's uh, yeah writing it's it's tough uh, it's taking its toll but it's also it's also very rewarding uh, but um, yeah uh, the isolation can be a bit hard but I need that for the uh, to get into into the writing flow but I also need the inspiration I can get from other people so well if you you're
0: know. listening and you feel like sending a meal uh, or Hansi Freinach some love in the next month uh, I'm sure that would be gratefully received uh, the book is, is um, it's planned to be out uh, before Christmas uh, so you presumably be able to get a copy on Amazon or on your website yeah um, and we shall read it and then figure out what we're gonna do now that we have a plan and please uh, give give me a call uh, if you are in Berlin and invite me out for coffee that would be greatly
1: appreciated <laughs>
0: all right thank you very much Emil
1: thank you